0: Following World War I, the Great Depression was a time of economic crisis that consumed the United States. The Great Depression was also an international issue, especially in Germany, where they were struggling to pay reparations. This caused a lot of animosity between Germany and the Allied powers. Germany grew so angry, in fact, they began to be a severe threat to the rest of the world. This revenge-seeking hatred grew to become a massive war. But we're jumping ahead. To fully understand, we have to start pre-Depression. Hi! I'm Sarah, and welcome back to the History Hotline. I'm here with my co-host,
1: Robbie. And today, as you heard, we will be talking about America through the 1930s and 40s, more specifically, World War II.
0: We'll start with the basics. Totalitarianism.
1: Hey, I know what totalitarianism is. It's a style of government in which one political leader controls everything and rules over the entire country, and they eliminate every competing party. This goes right along with fascism, which emphasizes that the nation leader comes before the individual. And there is one supreme leader. Basically, the nation comes before the individual person. There is a cult of personality in which everyone blindly follows and worships the leader. This leader convinces the population that they are the only individual that can essentially save the country. Prior to World War II, Japan had a constitutional monarchy, much like modern day Britain. However, Japan fell into a major economic depression simultaneously with the U.S. The Japanese military blamed this on the multi-party government. This caused the military to take over the government. This gave way to a new militarized dictatorship, much like a tyranny. This new government emphasized territorial expansion and racial superiority. Japan felt that they were so superior, in fact, that they wanted to colonize the entirety of Asia. Another reason for this includes obtaining natural resources, but it was clear what their motives were.
0: Wait, that sounds like the territorial expansion in Germany. Germany's government, too, took a turn following the Depression. Adolf Hitler came to power by promising the people of Germany that he would pull them out of this economic slump and make them a global superpower. He actually carried out most of these promises. He also gained support through propaganda and censorship. The people became very devoted to their leader colonizing other territories was an economic advantage, but also an expansion of an empire and a brandish of power he would expand into other smaller or less militarized countries and consume them into his own hitler also demonstrated power through his adoption of nazism which eliminated people who do not fit his blonde-haired blue-eyed requirements Creating and maintaining fear is a common theme with dictators and has become an important part in staying powerful.
1: Right. We've seen our fair share of these type of situations in history. Another one of the more obvious examples of a totalitarianism-styled government is the USSR, or the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, the nation dictated by Joseph Stalin. The USSR was once a communist country. This was in order for the country to reach some sort of economic stability. Everyone living in the USSR got paid and rationed food nearly equally. They were heavily censored, and every aspect of their life was dictated by the government. Stalin maintained power through eliminating, eliminating any and all opponents. This definitely created a fear factor, much like Hitler.
0: And there is a difference between all of these government styles. Totalitarianism is an umbrella term. Japan, Germany, and the USSR all behaved similarly, but there were different ethics and ideas involved, and they did not have identical government structures. They were all fascist, nonetheless, and it made sense how they all aligned with each other.
1: These countries' governments clashed with the type of democratic government that the United States, France, and Great Britain practiced. These many types of governments were built on the ideology that falsified propaganda must be widely spread. Those living in these countries were stripped of any liberties and were completely controlled by the state.
0: A democratic government is completely on the other side of the spectrum. The government usually has less of a part in the individual lives of the people. It follows more of a self-governed approach, and the people have an enormous say. They elect their own leader instead of having a leader forcibly installed. The citizens are free to have their own opinions and freedom of speech, a far cry from totalitarianism.
1: We're going to focus more on the U.S. for a minute.
0: Even though there was a lot going on in Europe, the United States was dealing with its own divide.
1: Digging deep into our archives, we have a never-aired-before interview with FDR. It gives some insight into how he was feeling right before America entered the war.
0: And to talk more about America's approach to the ongoing tensions, we have a very special guest with us. Please welcome Franklin Delano Roosevelt.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: So, President Roosevelt, how do you intend to deal with the impending war overseas?
1: Well, right now we're planning to stick with our natural instinct, staying neutral. However, I have proposed the new Lend-Lease Policy that may affect this.
0: Can you explain exactly what that is?
1: The Lend-Lease Policy permits war materials to be sold to Britain to aid in the efforts to put Germany to a halt. We would not have to fight on the battlefield, but we will strengthen allyship with Britain. Something that would become very useful down the line. We don't want to find ourselves battling Germany alone.
0: But wouldn't this drag America into war? That's a far cry from our previously neutral stance in the last Great War. A lot of people would be opposed. And doesn't this go against the previously established Neutrality Acts?
1: War is is practically inevitable at this point. Some just don't realize how power-hungry Germany is. Geography alone is no longer a source of protection for us, as we are all within Germany's reach for destruction. They already pose a major threat to our eastern coastline. Right now, America is a sitting duck waiting for something to happen. We can't just do nothing. The supplying of war materials is not guaranteed to enter us all into fighting anyways.
0: And what would you say to the people who wish to continue isolating?
1: To isolate is to submit to Hitler's world domination and become subjects to the German Empire.
0: How does all of this affect us exactly? I'm sorry, but I don't see why conflicts all the way across the sea will affect the United States.
1: The most important thing to focus on as the democratic nation we are is the spread of fascism and the oppression of people across the globe. Democracy as we know it is a severe danger. It is clear that the Axis power aims to have total control, and without us, there is no one to stop them from obtaining it. Are we going to stand idly by and bow down to Hitler and his men? Or are we going to stand up and fight for our free nation and nations across the world? It is our duty to defend democracy both domestically and internationally.
0: That was it, folks. President Roosevelt putting in his two cents.
1: I don't know. I kind of think it was best to focus on problems at home before worrying about problems across the ocean.
0: The NYE thought this too. They were a committee that investigated the causes behind World War I in order to prevent another world war. They really pushed isolationism and neutrality.
1: The Neutrality Acts probably helped out with that, since they pushed no shipping materials to war zones and prohibited loans being taken out by the belligerents. All the countries involved in the fighting were looked at as equals. The cash-and-carry approach contributed too.
0: I feel like I would have been a big staying neutral supporter. FDR strengthening the military and putting more money into the Navy probably would have worried me. And him not being an isolationist is something that I just don't think I would agree with looking back on it.
1: Yeah, but I do agree with him in the sense that America comes first. You sound like an interventionist. Someone who believed neutrality and isolationism wouldn't stop an attack. They wanted to take action against Germany and be proactive in the war.
0: Yes, that's exactly how I
1: feel. The America First Committee attempted to protect the U.S. from war. There was a military draft, and FDR was accused of leading the country towards war. I'm not sure this was entirely true, though. It was clear at this point that there would be no peace made with the Nazis.
0: So I'd infer that the U.S. decided to build up their defense system. If war is inevitable, then it's good to be prepared.
1: Yes, but some did not approve of this, just adding to the isolationist idea that FDR was two-faced.
0: Oh wow, I wouldn't go that far. Anyways, now that we have a basic understanding of different government types and America's stance at the time, we can get into the actual war. Starting with the Treaty of Versailles, the treaty that ended World War I, it placed all of the blame of the war on Germany and forced them to pay hefty reparations. Obviously, this didn't make Germany too happy.
1: Japan wasn't too happy either. They felt disrespected and underestimated by the countries in the newly established League of Nations. This eventually led to their leaving the League.
0: Yes, and Japan and Germany alike both grew hateful towards France and Britain. The Washington Naval Conference was held to limit the naval arms race as an attempt to put a cap on Japan's ever-growing military power.
1: There were several attempts by the U.S. to counteract Japan while still staying neutral. Due to their out-of-control expansion, there were sanctions set in place.
0: The anniversary of Pearl Harbor is coming up. Was that Japan's (laughs) retaliation?
1: Yes, the sanctions angered them to the point of bombing the US. Due to Japan's allyship with Germany, Germany declared war on the US and the battle over neutrality had ended, but World War II had just begun.
0: Didn't begin there, though, remember?
1: Oh, yeah. It began when Germany invaded Poland during their ravenous domination. Who was allied again?
0: Germany, Japan, and Italy all worked together against Britain after the fall of France. Britain was left alone, and if it lost, the whole world would sink with it. That was where the Lend-Lease came in, aiding Great Britain.
1: Wait, what happened to the USSR? Weren't they allied with Germany?
0: Well, Hitler and Stalin were very similar in the fact that they both wanted to be the sole leader. Hitler actually invaded the Soviet Union, causing them to ally with Britain and the U.S. in the coming war.
1: Hitler is brutal, cutting off one of his closest allies. Goes to show how power-hungry he was.
0: The causes leading up to World War II almost seem more interesting than the war itself.
1: I don't know about that. Tune back next time to hear about World War II in its entirety.